Welcome to Sinner's Take, another Catholic Guys podcast of which we are the worst. I'm Cody. I'm Alec. I'm Eddie. Nice. Today we're going to talk about graduating from being Catholic. When did you guys graduate from being Catholic? To me, for me, it was my sophomore year of high school. Cody, you were sophomore in high school, right, as well? Eighth grade. You were eighth grade? Eighth grade. Dang. Yeah. I think Works I was fast. technically negative a few months old <laughs> because I was confirmed when I was baptized. I think my baptismal certificate says the year I was born instead of the year after. You were confirmed like, when you were baptized? I was confirmed when I was baptized. How old were you? Did you not just no, hear it? November, no, I know, but... November to August. But so it's like I was November 95, I was born. My certificate, I think, I want to check it. I think it says August 95. So you had And been not born August yet. 96. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I don't, I don't know. But it might say 96. I, I don't remember. I in any you, case, that's all going to come out. I didn't know you could I was, confirm that young. Well, he was confirmed in the Armenian church. Oh, okay, yeah, in okay. the Armenian Catholic church. Is it's, that... <laughs> it's, I think the Mexican Catholic church does it as well. There's a few sects if that's the right term does their baptism happen like the georgian church where they like dunk the baby in head holding by its legs and dunk the baby in upside down i don't have a memory of being dunked upside down (laughs) well no you wouldn't because you would have been one that's a joke negative he would have been negative three months you don't remember (laughs) right um yeah but confirmed when baptized uh which will probably come up as part of this discussion yeah um, all that to say, we are not talking about graduating from Catholic, uh, from being Catholic. We're talking about confirmation, and it's just a, a, a dumb joke about how everyone kind of thinks of it, either subconsciously or consciously, as the graduation from the Catholic faith. But that is very far from the case, and I joke about it because it makes me so upset. But <laughs> yeah, we just wanted to have a discussion about what is confirmation Actually, probably the least least about what what is confirmation, <laughs> but you more need about, to know what it yeah, is. Yeah, more about what it can be and the the execution of it, and what is maybe the best, maybe what's the best, and definitely what's the worst way to go about it. <laughs> I said I may not have a solution, but I definitely have thoughts on everyone else's problems. I think it is important to nail down exactly what it is, though, because I think the ambiguity of exactly what confirmation is might well at least in public perception might lead to some of the mentality of the catholic graduation like they say ambiguity is the enemy of success that's ambition (laughs) (laughs) so what is confirmation cody oh no i didn't say that i had the answer (laughs) so you said you didn't and i don't so i think we turn to alec in this case (laughs) it always goes well as somebody who's been confirmed the longest come to me Yeah, come to me for wisdom. The way I usually explain it is that you don't choose baptism, but you choose confirmation, which is awesome because I didn't choose confirmation. (laughs) (laughs) But it is a conscious choice after learning more about the faith and entering towards adulthood that you make a decision to commit yourself to the faith. And it's, it's obviously a sacrament, so it is a conduit for grace. That by order of the sacrament that is done, grace is inferred upon the person, and it is a bit confirmation is a bit tricky. Conferred? I feel like a lot of con- conferred confirmed doesn't matter. <laughs> Sorry, go on. Um, it, it, I think there is a lot of ambiguity with it because, and honestly, I don't even. I mean, I teach theology, and I don't even know if 
I am in love with my definition of it, right? Because uh, usually in the confirmation classes, they they we spend a lot of time talking about the seven gifts of the Holy Spirit, but you like you technically already have those through baptism, so it's being sealed with the Holy Spirit is what it is. The best analogy that I ever heard for it was, and again, none, none of them are perfect. No analogy is perfect. I will find one one day. <laughs> I will find the perfect analogy. Is if you imagine like a blacksmith in the way that is the way that the sacraments are designed. So baptism is the heating of the metal, which is, it gets it to a very, uh, what's the malleable? Is that the word I'm looking for? Yep. Malleable form where they can, the, the blacksmith can hammer away at it and to shape it into whatever he might want it to be, a sword, a shield, a horseshoe, whatever. And then confirmation would be the plunging of that sword into the water where, or the whatever it is, which makes it harden and strengthens it to be used for something. And confirmation is that kind of what it, I think to an extent is where like a little bit of what Alec had said is where it's you usually involved with making a choice where you are sealed all the, all the gifts that the Holy Spirit has already been that of the Holy Spirit that's already been given to you through baptism are now sealed within you so that God can use you more effectively for whatever it is your purpose might be in the same way of the tool. And I think, I think that is an important distinction um, in the catechism. Kind of the distinction that they make is baptism opens up like the conduit to all that grace, right? Now you have a relationship with the Holy Spirit. Now you have a relationship with the father. The gates of heaven are open to you. Um, Allah. Hala, exactly. Hala be the name. And, <laughs> <laughs> but baptism, it kind of opens it up in, in a personal way, in a way that affects your salvation. And it gives you it gives you all the necessary tools to affect your own salvation in a in a good in a good way. And then confirmation equips you to be able to spread that. It the specific grace that is applied is like evangelical grace like the ability to articulate the ability to evangelize effectively the ability to just take what you have and like the gift of salvation that you have received and act on it right we're up to that point i mean you can because the holy spirit's there but there's not there's not that sacramental ceiling of now you go out right and i think Maybe like a good biblical story to illustrate this would be I, no I'm, boo I'm gonna no Bible it. I'm gonna do it I'm gonna do it Pentecost. Have you ever heard of <laughs> Psalm 23? <laughs> Never in my life would just be Pentecost because up to that point, you know, these men have been walking with Jesus for three years, and they they've all you know I I would assume have received baptism from each other, you know, but they're all hiding up in the upper room. So they're praying, they're doing their job, right? They're, they're getting themselves holy, but they have the world that they were supposed to go and take it out to. Like they're, they were supposed to go tell, that was the final commission, right? Go, go make disciples, go, go tell, tell it on the mountain. Yeah. <laughs> Over the hills and everywhere. John three sixteen. <laughs> they were supposed to take this out, um, but they're not, you know, and you can see that they're, they're very clearly not, they're afraid of the persecution and then all of a sudden the holy spirit comes in and bang they break open the doors they go out and that very day 3000 people are added to their number so there's there's clearly like some specific grace of evangelization here at work in the sacrament of confirmation that 
I think maybe is a little bit ambiguous or maybe not talked about or maybe just not understood, right? Because we don't maybe even understand the grace of baptism and what that means for us. So why, why, why would evangelization even be important to us if we didn't understand that? It obviously is important. It means, I mean, it's the, it's the last, well, I, I guess it's not, I don't want to say the last of the sacraments that you have to get, but to be fully initiated into the Catholic church, that's what that's right. No, wait, are you fully initiated with the Eucharist? No, you're fully initiated when you're confirmed. Yeah. Yes. It's it's the last of the sacraments of initiation. Yeah. So yeah, you you, know, you could theoretically go your whole life with never getting married or receiving holy orders or having anointing of the sick. And uh, you would never, I guess, be less Catholic or whatever it might be. So it is, it is an important step. And I think it is a, a misunderstood treasure of the church, just like all the sacraments, really. We don't really understand what a gift they are. And it's another one of those things where, like, all the grace of the sacraments, I like to describe it as, like, um, there's a dam, right, that we put up on our own, over our own heart, over our own life. And grace is the never, uh, never-ending vast river behind it that is all unlimited and always ready to flow. But the, to the extent that we open up that dam is the extent of how quickly the grace will come. So if you only open up a little bit, you will only get a little bit of grace. If you only, if you don't open up at all to the sacrament, you won't get any grace. Or, I mean, ideally you knock the entire dam down and let the grace completely overflow you. And that's kind of the present in all of the sacraments. I think you get the grace. It's just how much, you know, it's given, but how much, I guess, yeah, like what you're saying, how I'm much say, do you I, actually I'm let in? Given as in received. Okay. Yeah. Like it, the gift is there. <laughs> <laughs> That's the opposite. You know, yeah. giving and receiving is the opposite, right? <laughs> yeah. But I mean, like <laughs> I, having successfully been given, you have received. It was just a funny sentence. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, given as received. <laughs> uh, so then what is the goal of the whole confirmation process? What are they trying to get us to? The goal of the confirmation process is to make sh- keep youth ministers having jobs. Obviously, then it's working. (laughs) It's to have some sort of thing in place that kids have to go to church in high school so that youth (laughs) ministers could have a job. Hot take. Hot take. Yeah, I mean that's that is that rings true in my own life over this past year. Yeah, we we brought Cody on again, right? He is he's currently not currently. He is going to be sent. A, a bio he actually will be getting a bio page and we're gonna take gerardo's down <laughs> well if you listen to the last one i was actually kicked off that's, that's true, true. <laughs> but he brought back on this was actually this is not him coming on as a regular guest this is him being brought on as a like targeted guest because yeah. we specifically sought him out not out of convenience but because uh <laughs> but because <laughs> last year cody worked as a confirmation director in chicago in chicago <laughs> it's true i did and so yeah what eddie said rings true that my job basically revolved around the fact that kids had to come but that's just it right is kids don't have to come i think that's the first uh maybe the first lie of confirmation that it is necessary to break down is that kids do not have to come to confirmation and that's a little bit scandalous i think in the especially in maybe the older generation, generation one and two above us, right? I can't speak for three because I don't know too many people three generations older than me. 
but I know that it was the case very frequently that with the kids that we had coming, it wasn't even the parents necessarily that were forcing the kids to go. It was the grandparents that were forcing the parents to force the kids to go. So, I mean, what we'd see a lot, or at least what I saw a lot from standing in the back during, you know, some of our confirmation nights from some of our confirmation retreats was honestly parents acting childish with their children. But again, can they be blamed for it? I don't necessarily think that they can bear full responsibility because I don't know that they know what confirmation is, right? Yeah, I do think, I think... As a general rule of thumb, our parents' generation is probably the worst catechized maybe of all time. Because not only was it not a priority, when the places that it was a priority, it was vastly incorrect, I think. I think they fall into that weird, they grew up in the culture that was losing the faith. Yeah, I think it's also important to note that that's not spoken out of vindication. It's more out of pity, right? Is yeah. It's a real bummer that people of that generation you know, didn't even have the resources that we have today in youth ministry, in, you know, some of these newer, like the new evangelization wasn't present to them. Yeah. And when I say, when I say poorly catechized, because I honestly, I mean, the average layperson throughout the history of the church is probably very poorly catechized in that respect. But I think what made it so toxic for that older generation is that not only were the and I apologize for offending anybody who is any, anybody who is there, but I think because also they were not being catechized, and they started to lose the culture where the culture was was draw, was actively dragging them away. We, you know, we have mm. the '60s, the '70s, the '80s of not a whole lot of great. Then we then toppled with some scandal in the church, uh, throwing a mix of internet and science taking taking over and all these things, and then the the, the abandonment of philosophy and the education system and all, all these things. It was just like a, a horrible storm for them to have grown up in, I think. I think to an extent, although polarized our society right now, I think if you are hungry for the faith, I think it's very accessible to you, right? Through Bishop Barron, Ascension Presents, podcasts, whatever it might be that you don't have to, if you are hungry, you don't have to look too far for food. Whereas for them, I I don't even, what, what was going, like, it was just a mess, I think. The church was a bit of a mess. Society was a bit of a mess. So I, like I said, no blame no blame put on them. Yeah, no doubt. But I think it, it all ties into uh, this culture that was built up of we have to send our kids to church or the kids have to get confirmed because it's what we always have done. Or, uh, you know, where you see people that we have to go to Mass on Sunday. We, ha- I mean, you do, right? But I think it, it's what is... What, where is your heart when you say that? Are you saying we have to go to mass because a it's a sin if we don't, but more than that, we have to go to mass because we need it. I can't make it through the next week without having received like strength from the Eucharist without having received that sustenance. I just I can't do it. Are you begrudging? I have to drink water today. Yeah, and and I think in the same way it it comes out with this. You know, we have to have the kids confirmed. So I think that, again, the first lie to break down is that the, nobody has to be confirmed. Best case scenario, it is an intentional choice. It Because once you receive, in baptism, you know, you receive the gift, 
and you also receive a mission, right? To go out and to tell people about this gift that you've received. And if you take on this commissioning seriously, and then you become fully equipped to do the, to do the mission, and then you don't do it, right? Because you never had an intention to do it in the first place. I, that sucks, you know, and it, it, <laughs> it just, it ultimately kind of makes, I don't know. It makes us all look uh, bad. Yeah. And, and I think also it kind of waters it down for the recipients, right? Because they don't really fully understand or appreciate the gift that they receive. Uh, when when that's the culture that surrounds them is just oh it's just something you got to get done you know we had to do it your dad and i had to do it or your mom and i had to do it so you have to do it you know just to make you know gran- appearances grandma grandma and grandpa happy or you know just to say that we're still catholic is something we kind of have to get done i mean that that so obviously doesn't speak to the grace that's provided right that when people say that you know, the the apostles weren't sitting in the upper room thinking, well, we just kind of have to get the Holy Spirit now, don't we? <laughs> oh, what a drag. No, they like, again, they burst forth. Like they, they were so joyful, so, so wild with the spirit that they, that everyone thought they were drunk, right? They're, they're so lit up that people think that the only explanation is that they, they have had too much good wine, too much new wine. <laughs> so... Yeah, I'd like to hang around that point for a little bit because I remember like when I was teaching confirmation and we had exit interviews and evaluations of the kids and there were a few kids that I recommended because the last question is, do you think they're ready for confirmation? And there were a few that I said no because like you said, they're not understanding one, the gift that they're receiving, but even what they're doing there or like they have no interest in being there. If I was with this kid for six months and they're saying that they don't want to be there and they're just doing it for their parents or whatever it is, I don't think that kid should get confirmed. And I understand the position they're in where it's like, well, if I don't confirm him, I'm going to get in trouble from the parents and they're going to get mad at the parish and then I have to answer to the priest and whatever it is. But, and we've talked about it, like prune the church. If someone's not ready to be a good Catholic in at least in intention, then maybe they shouldn't be getting confirmed. Yeah. It's, I mean, there's the, the classic joke that there is a, there's a group of mice who have infiltrated the church and they keep appearing during masses and all this stuff. And everyone's like, what can we do about these mice? And they have a, a, you know, a council, a church council meeting about what to do with them. And the priest stands up and says, I know how to get rid of them. We'll just confirm them. And we'll never <laughs> see them again. <laughs> Uh, (laughs) um and so yeah it is and it's it's funny because they throw such a fit if if their demands aren't and i say they as in like many parents that have experience with it they because they they throw such a fit if the demands aren't met for their son to or daughter to get confirmation but yet they have like they do they don't prioritize it at all they're like they'll be like oh yeah i can't go on retreat because i've got this or that or i can't go to meeting because he's tired or whatever like you want him to go to mass every week yeah like they're like oh we have to, he wants we want him to get confirmed then when it, they have to go to mass every week and get a paper signed to say that they're going they just they throw a fit because they're like well we don't want to do that well then like in what mindset do you live in where you want to be confirmed i just it is like it is it's a it's a a merit badge or a, a an actual piece of paper and a picture with a bishop 
And I mean, like, like Cody had said, is that this is the way we've always done it. This is how we can say we're still Catholic. And it's just not the case because, and, and I've heard the points, the, the classic argument, right, is, and I think where a lot of what how we approach confirmation hinges on this is, is it good to just pump people through the sacrament and then at least they have the grace for it and then maybe God will work with them. Maybe, maybe they'll turn around their life around. At least they've been confirmed, you know? And I just, it just, it doesn't sit well with me because it seems like that makes sense to me for baptism, right? Get rid of original sin and then someone, yeah, their life may go completely astray, but at least they are baptized and they have the gates of heaven are open to them. The possibility of the gates of heaven being open to them is there. But I, I don't think that that's the case for confirmation, especially I think speaking to what Cody said earlier, right, is if, if the primary charism of confirmation is to evangelize and the person has no intention to evangelize, there's no point. There, there just isn't. And, and it can't just be a two-year program in high school or middle school or whenever it is that is a – because we need the kids to show up while they're in high school to youth nights or whatever it is. And I, frankly, I think a lot of youth ministers would probably lose their... I think we talked about this back in the ministry numbers episode, like episode number one, I think. A lot of youth ministers would lose their job if there wasn't confirmation programs where they couldn't fall back on the fact that they had 100 kids coming every week or more or less or whatever it is. But I think the charism being specifically designed to go out is important because you can make the same argument that like, what if one day, you know, the Navy SEAL program, a lot people just couldn't just couldn't do it anymore. Like they just weren't like physically or emotionally or mentally incapable of doing it. And so they're just like, well, then let's just, let's just open it up to everybody. And we'll at least people pump people out and say that they're Navy SEALs and maybe they'll be good. Maybe they won't. But like, like Cody had talked about earlier, it dilutes the, the pureness and the rigor with which that you can train these people. Cause the, those confirmed are those specifically anointed and sealed with the gifts of the Holy spirit to evangelize for the church and if the people we're pumping out are not equipped to evangelize we're doing an an injustice right better to train five elite soldiers for this mission this isn't a battle of attrition right we're not it's not it's not a let's just pump as many soldiers out there as we can and hopefully like this is not stalingrad and we're not russia throwing soldiers out there without weapons uh (laughs) we are looking for small and elite soldiers and so you need you can't lower the standard of what it is to train them because what confirmation has basically become is two years in high school where you can try and convince a kid to believe in God, not even Jesus Christ, like just believe in God at all. That's like where I'm like the week before my kids were confirmed for the last confirmation class I taught, I had a kid who was saying like, I don't know if I believe in God, like, and you're about to be confirmed. Like, what's the point? <laughs> and I and, think, well, that might fall on to right like family life because if they're going from baptism until 15 without that being addressed in the family to the point where they they go 15 years of not really wrestling with that and then you get two years in the church to try and okay quick let's let you believe in it and then develop a relationship and then be prepared and then go out that's hard to do but maybe the family dynamics isn't something we want to get into here. I think, um, I guess the point of all this, right, is just to say, if you are in this position, man, I'm in a confirmation program, but I don't really want to be confirmed, or 
you're the parent of a, of a kid that you can tell doesn't want to be confirmed or that maybe you don't even want to have confirmed, right? The honesty with yourself and with the church, I think, is more valuable than the acceptance of some gift without the intention of using it for the sake of appearance. Uh, that's just my personal opinion, right? I'm not, I'm not, I'm speaking as Cody, not as, as the church. Yes. I never speak as the church. Let me make that clear. Yeah. I, <laughs> yeah, this, I mean, and I think this episode especially is, is not going to be another one of those ones where it's like, we don't, we're, this is, we're not proposing a solution. We're only discussing with our, about our experience. And I, I think there does hold some truth to that because if you come forward and say, Hey, I'm not, I don't think I want to be confirmed. And you, enter into conversation about that and take that rabbit hole all the way down that will bear way more fruit than just faking it for another couple months getting confirmed and then never going back to church again and never having that conversation so i do i i like i think the way you know the way you started that phrasing was a bit seemed a little bit on on edge but then i think you i think you i think you saved it with the refusal or the, the accepting of a gift and refusing to use it with no intention of using it for the sake of an appearance. I think that that is, yeah, that, that's, that's detrimental. You could even make the argument that that's desecration of a sacrament right there. Right. Yeah. I mean, what, what, is, what is desecration of a sacrament? If not that to say, I'm going to get it for the sake of an appearance and have no intention of using it. It's not quite the same, but uh, I'm going to take the Eucharist into my hand and pretend to put it in my mouth for the sake of appearance. And I have no intention of actually consuming it. And I'm going to drop it on the ground later. Yeah. Again, not quite the same because like that's really Jesus there, but the intent is pretty dang similar from where, from where I'm standing upon my high horse. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, on my on my soapbox over here, um, I, I've, what's the other one we could go through is like marriage, right? Are you going to get married but then have no intention of remaining monogamous that seems like you shouldn't be entering into marriage then if you're not prepared to withhold what it entails uphold that's what i meant (laughs) 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 to back pedal a little bit I think we've got to give ourselves a backdoor here a little bit (laughs) aggressive at the church which we don't really want to do and critical of the whole process which i don't know if it's coming across the way that we mean it to where we have known a lot of people who have gone through confirmation maybe weren't into it at the beginning and kind of found their feet along the way or were confirmed not really into it and then later had like a come to jesus moment come to jesus moment that's good you should coin that um we call those the sleeper agents. Yeah. <laughs> and so it's not, we don't want to say that it's worthless. We just want to make sure that we're doing the most with it that we can and that we are taking it as seriously and as respectfully as we can. Absolutely. Yeah. So I think, again, there are a lot of people that are being pumped through these programs, right? Uh, the parish that I was working at, we had upwards of 200 people, 200 kids confirmed last year, which amazing right? Super beautiful. And my hope is that all of those kids take it and run with it. But I guess the the reality (laughs) is that right when they were confirmed, not all of them were planning on stepping out of the doors and going and evangelizing. Not right. Not a lot of them were 
plan, planning on making it a huge part of their life. But that's not to say that they won't. And it's not to say that it is a gift and it is still good. Like it's still a sacrament and it's still good for them to receive it. And I think that there are people now, right, who either were poorly catechized, who didn't care when they were going through it, any number of things that at the time of confirmation that, you know, maybe one could have made the argument that they weren't ready to receive it, but they did. And now they find themselves in a position where, whoa, like the faith is starting to come alive for me. Well, guess what? That's awesome. Because you are already equipped to <laughs> to, to do the most with it, right? It's almost like, I, I feel like it's in a movie. Uh, I can't recall right now, but it's like, you like go into the shed and you find all of like using the soldier analogy, like you find all of your weapons there from war and like they're ready. You're ready to go into battle. You're ready. You're ready to go out into the world. And obviously we're not, it's not a violent battle, but you're ready to go out and you're, you're ready to, to evangelize right now. You're equipped. You got it. You know, so it's just a matter of invigorating that within yourself. That's a fruit that is born from the confirmation program as it is now. I think. And less so, also to go to what we had said earlier, them having a place to go at church is also a great thing. I mean, I remember there was, um, when Gerardo was the youth minister, right, he just had like open youth room nights so that kids who didn't have somewhere to go after school or just wanted some kind of community could have that, even if it's not as formal of a setting. So being, just being at the church is still a good thing that we don't want to... uh poo-poo or yeah and as much as you know as much as we like to poke fun at the probably plethora of youth ministers who skate by on confirmation numbers when there's very few people at their programs who genuinely want to be there nonetheless to have something that more more or less holds somebody accountable to go to church on a semi-regular basis for two years of high school which i think in most of the country does sophomore year confirmation to my understanding there's value to that right i mean you can build good friendships most of my good friendships were through youth group so there are some goods being being done and i you know and not to and not not to mention that this is a reality that we live in that we have confirmation programs like this that this is more or less what people want i think you know like that's what the parents want they want their kids to get confirmed for even if it's for a bad reason and you know the confirmation programs are what they are mostly i would say out of necessity i think they kind of have become this way because for whatever reason but and we don't want to be super super critical but so what, what i guess what would be some if you guys have any thoughts on like because we'll probably we'll do easy changes that or like improvements that can be made to this most common form of the two-year high school formation in confirmation what how to how to make the most out of that and then maybe turn over to some hypothetical changes as to what would be made i'm going to start off the bat i want to see the sponsors take a bigger role and i'm excited i'm working on an episode uh about the like aa program and that kind of relationship that sponsors and sponsees have and i think something more similar to that where there's a lot more direct relationship and contact not only for the sponsee but for the sponsor as a is something to keep them accountable like that they are an example and to keep it fresh for them i think that would go a long way 
for both parties and because the kids when they're in the larger the group they're in the easier it is for them to hide and as much as ministers and confirmation teachers might try to get everyone involved if there are 40 kids in the room or even 10 kids in the room it's easier for them to hide than with the sponsor one-on-one setting time aside specifically to talk about these things yeah i think uh that mentorship aspect I, like you said it's easy for it's easy for people to hide in a large group and it's easy for people to show up to a big group setting even if it is a small group thing right even if there are eight kids there one kid can stay quiet or can toss out the stock answer like oh i don't know or i, I don't know there's any number of stock <laughs> answers that you get i can tell you it's uh, the same stock answer for every question uh pretty good like it could be better i think it's good i think you know, i just gotta like i gotta like care more about god <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty good <laughs> beautiful but i, I do i think that one-on-one relationship would go a long way because that because then that's something for life right that's that's someone that you always have to look to it's it's it keeps the sponsor accountable because they have someone who is looking up to them for advice and it keeps the the confirmandi responsible because or yeah, accountable was, you were letting me say sponsee yeah, like sorry, an idiot I didn't, I didn't just locked and loaded <laughs> i said that word so many times last year it's ridiculous um but yeah, I think another thing that would be, if it could be rolled out, would be because we only have them for so long, right, with the way that the program is right now, to just capitalize on those opportunities and, and maybe just focus a lot of the energy, especially on the front end, on encounter with Jesus. I, because I don't know if that's something that they've had up until that point, and I don't know that confirmation or the church or any of the sacraments really will make much sense outside of that relationship so focusing a ton of energy on the front end on encounter with jesus and however that happens whether that's praise and worship nights whether that's adoration whether that's you you know we used to do um well i can i guess i can talk about the way that we structured our program a little bit later but i really do think that that encounter is so necessary and creating opportunities for that as frequently as possible and then and then maybe moving into you know simple evangelization of like this is how you tell your best friend about this this is how you tell like the kid that like you have a relationship with about this because i also think you know and i don't want to discredit them because high schoolers are very bold and a lot of them you know that a lot of kids that i have encountered are far bolder than i am right in this sort of thing so i don't want to do discredit to them either but for the kids that might be intimidated by the idea of like global evangelization or walking up to a stranger that's not necessarily what it has to be and i you know so to present it as okay now you know how good this is just go just go tell like someone (laughs) you know when look at what i'm doing and go tell somebody it (laughs) I mean, when when I saw Rogue One for the first time, I couldn't stop talking about it. Right? I told I told tons of people about it. When my when my big brother in in my household at Franciscan, when he had his first kid, I showed everyone the pictures of that kid because I was just so happy for him. Right? And and the news that we have of relationship with Jesus, salvation with Jesus, like life in the Spirit, the 
the news that we have there is even better. Well, I like the point you made about front end and focusing on encounter because teenagers are smart in that they're very selective about where they put their effort units. So this is the same thing you hear, right? I mean, you guys teach at high school. When am I ever going to use this, right? You teach math. You probably hear that all the time. When am I ever going to use <laughs> this? Day. So or I'm not interested in this. So to for them to see the utility of it almost, which is maybe a diminutive way of talking about it, but for them to feel it and not feel like it's just another thing they have to learn, but to see why, I think would go a long yeah. way. To understand. Yeah, confirmation just keeps like teaching like pointless things. They shouldn't teach about like the charisma <laughs> or like Jesus's incarnation. They should really just teach about like how to pay taxes and how to change a tire. <laughs> like just like more practical stuff, you know, if they want people to care about it. Uh, yeah. no. Eddie, I, what are you scribbling over there? Uh, notes. Is he drawing Just triangles. Doodling? <laughs> <laughs> it helps me focus, guys. All right. Some some people make doodles. I make lists. <laughs> um, it's. I think there's also a necessity for. Uh, again, we are almost frustrated with the fact that kids just don't really grow up in a world a godly world and we're, we you know we, we try to front load them with a lot of jesus loves you which is not really doesn't really have a point if you haven't one met him and two if you don't believe in god like <laughs> no amount of jesus loves you is going to change that and so i think there also needs to be a return to the basics of philosophy and who is god and how like how how is god not disproven by the world that we live in today how is it possible that God is the only answer to the fulfillment of your desires? Um, things like that. I think those those topics need to take way more precedent than like the seven gifts of the Holy Spirit. Because and that's what we focused on, right? We combined our confirmation classes and mostly focused on those things because it was just more fruitful. The kids were more engaged because those were those are the things with which they were struggling, not what are the fruits of the Spirit. Yeah, when we've got kids coming in here who like don't want to be Catholic because they think the church hates gay people or they think that we're all idiots because science has disproved the faith. And we're in here talking about, all right, guys, today we're going to spend the whole class talking about the gift of fortitude. What are you hoping to gain by this? Nothing. Like, you can hope to gain, but you will gain nothing. Because, you know, you, and you look at a lot of, like, the, the curriculum for these confirmation programs, it oftentimes is, like, seven nights on seven different gifts of the Holy Spirit. And that's just not going to cut it with these kids today. Like, they can they can learn that with five minutes in a dictionary, what they need to know about that, when compared to, um, again, be, probably being a bit irreverent for the point sake, sake I believe the word is hyperbole, um, for the sake of proving the point. Wow, also that also sounded so arrogant, but, <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, I think when when in compared to like the fact that these kids don't believe in God and don't understand that there is a transcendent reality and a spiritual realm and like. All of these things, like, they don't need to know that they need to have fortitude when they don't understand that God exists. Yeah. So I guess in those in those moments, right, maybe, maybe you are a volunteer at a confirmation program. God bless your heart. Like I said, it is some of the most taxing. Because sometimes it feels like when you're trying to talk to these kids, like punching a wall. Until maybe it breaks, maybe it doesn't, but you're just throwing stones at a wall maybe you break maybe you break <laughs> maybe the wall breaks you um and uh or maybe you're you're a 
a youth minister or a confirmation coordinator and you're staring down the barrel of a confirmation program that you have inherited and you're just trying to do right by these kids because like I said is you care about them and you want them to you want to see them in heaven and the reality is is you get to see them every two weeks plus youth nights once a month or whatever it is that you have so I would say focus on what is really burning on their hearts because those who are hungry they'll find out what fortitude means they'll find out what fear of the lord is they'll find out more they'll they'll learn more about the bible they'll learn more about all these things but you got to you got to lead them to an encounter with jesus and you got to teach them the the basics of philosophy and who is god i guess you know as 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 a lot of these discussion ones that we have we kind of like to come to a, come to a point of like what 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 do what do we think what do I want? What do I want? No, you have want? to have something to say. Oh, so anybody gets to talk at any times now. No, I uh, of, of the opinion that after weighing everything that we've talked about, and I think what's most on my heart right, is I think if it was up to me, and again, take with what I, what I say with a grade of salt or sand, I think those programs should probably be done away with. I know, I know that there are people who are, encounter Jesus through them. But I think there is too much at stake to dilute the the to make it into make it into what it is. What kind of what we had talked about. I think it needs to be something better because it's just it's just not working to the to the efficiency that I that I want. Again, now now that we've retracted a little bit, let me let me put the squeeze <laughs> back on. You know, if if I were to come to you and say I've I've thought of I I have have a diet program for you of which if you engage in it for two years, 20% of people see results. You'd be out of your mind. Like no one's going to buy your program. Um, but what do we have here? We have kids who go through a two year confirmation program and 80% of them are not Catholic by the time they graduate college. Or again, they're still Catholic technically because they're fully initiated into the Catholic church (laughs) (laughs) by the grace of the sacrament, but they are no longer practicing. So, that's just not good enough. Like any other thing in existence, that program would have been slashed to the ground by now and complete and completely redone. Again, I understand that that that's kind of crazy to think, but it's just it just doesn't work. I mean, I remember I read and talked to some people about a diocese. I don't remember. I think it may be in Indiana somewhere where their confirmation program is basically just a week long retreat over the summer, where they just have an encounter, and they've had they've seen pretty decent success with that. I think if I were to create in a vacuum and I, and I, like I, I, I am, I've been working on like writing out like a, like a letter and a, like a proposal for this idea and seeing like what would come back from it. But I think a lot of it has to do with what Alec was talking about with the sponsor, how the sponsor needs to be more engaged. Problem is sponsors are terrible, right? And most of the time not practicing themselves. I think it needs to be almost entirely one-on-one formation discipleship with one other person because i remember my biggest frustration with the last confirmation class i taught was they were all good kids but they were in such different places and so i couldn't really reach any of them but if i had been able to sit down with any one of them and had a conversation it would have been a completely different story so i think the best way to do it in my completely untried opinion (laughs) um would be i think you start with that week-long confirmation over the week-long i mean week-long retreat over the summer and it goes into about a one-year program in which you are meeting with your account, with your sponsor once every two weeks or once a week, whatever it is, at a safe environment, safe location. 
one-on-one like in a place where like it's not going to cause a problem in that way you can you, know, you can meet in church offices or whatever it might be and if absolutely necessary then maybe two people then or whatever it is mm-hmm. and you you discuss with them you teach them how to pray you lead them through like a prayer journal you talk with them on the the burning questions that what it is because we know the questions go completely over people's heads when it's in a group of a large group, but you get them into one-on-one, you can say exactly the same thing to them and it'll rock their world. Cause they're like, Oh my gosh, that makes so much sense. Cause when you're just teaching at them, they don't think that there's any value in what you're saying. So they just tone it out. And I think in order for this to be successful, I think their your sponsor would need to be approved by the pastor and probably ultimately by the diocese. If you want your relative or friend or what, whomever, to be your sponsor, they would have to go through the approval process. They probably have to pass some sort of test. They probably have to be interviewed, and they would have to be able to show that they are practicing the faith. And again, people say like, "Well, how? What? How could we possibly come up with that many people?" I don't know. You know, I don't. I don't know how many how it would be possible. But Cody's your parish with two hundred kids who got confirmed one year. That's crazy. But like my parish is about eighty a year. That is more doable. You could find. 40 people in the church who are good, well-standing Catholics who would be willing to meet with one kid one week and another kid another week. They just rotate one. They do. This is, this is the ministry that they do, right? They, for an hour and a half, once a week, they meet with a someone who's going through confirmation program. I think it could be at any point throughout their entire high school time where that they want to. And I don't think that I think I don't think you budge on the system at all, and if someone doesn't want to do it, they don't do it. And I think they can be denied the sacrament, which, like, if if they are not if they are not showing that this is actually an interest of them, they don't progress. And I think, again, probably a hot take and a, probably a controversial. And I more than and you know, part of me says like this should never happen because it could go terribly. But that's kind of that's kind of where my head's at. That's where I think I, that's what makes the most sense to me. And I do. I think that's a. I think that is a beautiful option. I like if in a perfect world, I think that is probably the route that should be pursued. Right? Is one-on-one discipleship, intentional, because that's where that that is where you're, just naturally it's where you're going to see the most growth is is in one-on-one. The problem that could be run into is I I know uh, at least <laughs> we never ran into a situation where we even tried to. Right. But I know just in hypothetical conversations, I don't even know if we were allowed to deny people the sacrament of confirmation, you know, mm-hmm. so anyone that wanted to come in, you know, you could tell them, okay, you have to go through this process though. Right. It would almost have to be almost be kind of a a process of getting them to understand like do you actually want this yeah because if you do this is what it's going to entail and i want you to have it but you got to want it i can't tell you that you can't have it because i can't deny you a sacrament but what i can tell you is it's going to be a little bit rigorous and if you want it let's go for it so yeah and i think if you enter into that and again maybe maybe with the i'll retract a little bit of the denying them but if you if you in the conversation with them if you're talking with them like I said, one one on one, like heart to heart, you're saying, and you know, you're getting into the conversation. And be like, why are you here doing this right now? And they can't provide you an answer. I think that they would they would maybe even gracefully bow out. Maybe they won't, but yeah, yeah. A lot of a lot of that, or some of that depends on the pressure coming from from home too. So, 
another option that has been pursued. I know, you know, on a small scale, I heard it kind of done in, um, again, where was this parish? I don't know. I think it was somewhere in the Chicago diocese, but there was a parish out there where the, the confirmation program ended up, they just ended up kind of doing away with it or like setting an age limit on it and just said, as soon as you hit a certain age, you come to us, we run you through the program. It's not like you have to wait until you're this age or you have to, and then if you don't want to do it, we just told them you don't have to do it. Just know you don't have to do it. And they were, and people asked them, you know, why are you doing that? You know, you kind of lose, you kind of lose the, you lose the group that would have come if they had to do it. I remember where I heard it now was from a deacon who was giving a talk at um, like the diocesan training day. And he said, I got sick of looking the bishop in the eye and lying to him that the kids were all ready for confirmation because I knew they weren't. And again, we can't deny them a sacrament, but I didn't feel right. But we can't live in denial. Yeah. At the same time, we can't live in this where we say, yeah, you're right. We say to the bishop's face. Are these are these candidates ready for confirmation? They are. They've been prepared to the best of their ability. That's just a lie. Like, I mean, maybe the best of your ability as a confirmation facilitator, or again, not because the, on the bad parts of the confirmation, yeah. but by the necessity of the situation they're put in. Again, I think, I think the change that we are looking at, like, right there, might be like a lot of like. I'm shaking my head right now. Like, like people can see that. <laughs> like a lot of like, uh, what's the word? Like shock and right at the beginning of was like oh my gosh like what's going on but i think the value of what the what could be produced from that will pay dividends going forward i i think cuz i'm just I, I don't know i'm just i'm so sick of the going you know going back to the whole workout routine thing i'm so sick of this you know if we just make a better video program if we just make a better if if you know if we cover these topics instead of these ones if we get more dynamic speakers in if we you know, whatever we do, first group, first year of confirmation, no small groups, second group of confirmation, we have small groups, you know, what, however you want it, like, it just, it doesn't work, you know, and any, any of these small changes, I don't think are going to be big enough to see, like, yeah, maybe you can, you can bump up your numbers by 5% or maybe whatever, but like, nothing with the format we have now is going to make substantial change. I know something else that's being done, or at least that I've heard is being done. I've and, heard and, of one one and, confirmation program. And, it's not uncatchable. And like, <laughs> the black pearl, like you're saying, like you're saying about um, big changes. Right? And again, my source could be flawed on this. I have not verified this information. I sh- I ought to have done that before I came on. But I remember hearing. Uh, I believe it's the diocese of Denver is going through a process of rolling in, going back to, I think it was, and I ought to remember the name of the order as well. Maybe you don't believe me at this point, but <laughs> you haven't really said anything saying, for us to believe. What I am that saying, is, there may or may not be something in the Diocese that, of Denver. That, <laughs> the Diocese of Denver, over the next few years, right? they're rolling out a program that is going to start confirming kids at... I believe seven or eight, hmm. you know, before first communion. So they're going back to that. Okay, what's the order called? You remember? No, the order of the, there was, there's a special name for that order. The Denver order. No, 
It was something. Novus Ordo. You can <laughs> Norvis. You can add Orientum. You can you can look it up. Um You can look it, it up. Again, <laughs> I got yelled at last time I was on my phone on this podcast. Um but anyways the pro again the problem there is that it is taking them it's going to take them a couple of years because you could just say okay we're going to start confirming at 7 right what about ages 8 through 15 hell that's, <laughs> that's you do, yeah do you do you just say like nah. you can't do <laughs> that come back if you want yeah <laughs> rca but yeah and no, which is another know. thing actually that we didn't talk about was rcia just because they're not ready at the time of high school that they can then never be confirmed. Like if yeah. they do feel ready, the path is available to them. Yeah. So I guess the most important points in my mind here are confirmation is a good thing. It's a sacrament. It's a holy thing. It's a beautiful thing. It's it's an opportunity for, uh, it's necessary, I think, for the growth of the church and for the full blossoming of the individual as Catholic, right? As missionary disciple of Jesus Christ. I think the confirmation is a necessary thing. And I think the question will remain, what's the best way or what is the most proper way to get people to a point where they're ready to receive it? You know, that's going to be a question that, you know, we posed possible solutions to, uh, doesn't mean they're good, they're going to work. Doesn't mean that they would work. Doesn't mean right? that they're good, uh, but or smart, um, <laughs> or original, <laughs> or anything at all. Uh, so it's a good thing if you are in the process of being confirmed. Good on you. Keep it up, and and you know it's something to look forward to as well. It's not just a, a box to check off. It's it is the ability to go out into the street so joyful that you appear drunk and convert 3000 people like that's what you have to look forward to in this uh if you have received it and that's not what you're experiencing you can it's not it's not like open the floodgates yeah just just do it you know i i wouldn't recommend just going out and doing it uneducatedly but finding finding a way to uh, hone that skill of evangelization and finding a way to some group to involve yourself with to learn how to do it well right and to and to do it with like go on a mission trip work with work with missionaries uh start a podcast you know we'll shout out <laughs> i'll shout out here um i think a group that's doing this very well right now is a group called damascus missions in columbus ohio the sort of thing that they're doing is something that i would love to learn how to do better they're they're living out this this pentecostal fire of evangelical zeal and it's beautiful the work that's being done find a group to to hone to hone your skill right to hone this this gift of evangelization and learn how to if you've been equipped and don't know how to use the equipment then then just go learn how to use it if you, if you run a confirmation program god bless you because it's not easy it is not easy by any means and, and it is good and important work and we know that you are probably trying your hardest you are maybe listening to this frustrated because like you you feel like you are hitting your head against a wall like you are trying everything and your effort is not without fruit if it is done faithfully so don't just dis- don't despair closing thoughts alec 
No, I think we covered it. That's the sinner's take. 